1: Welcome back to The Art of Charm. I'm Johnny. And I'm AJ. On the last episode of The Art of
0: Charm podcast, we discussed taking accountability for your life and the decisions you make. Today, we're going to explore cognitive distortions, which is the psychological term used to label irrational
1: and often untrue thoughts. I love this topic because it's so fundamental to the coaching that we do at The Art of Charm. The guys who come through the boot camp to recognize their irrational distorted thought patterns and how it correlates to their beliefs, their decision making and their happiness. I'm going to share some of these fun stories today. I also
0: think it's important to point out that we've all suffered from irrational thoughts. So Johnny and I are not immune to this and we're gonna share some stories of our own struggles. But as we get into this, and as I've discovered from the work that we've done at The Art of Charm, this condition is not fatal. So don't worry. In fact, once I saw what I was doing to myself, everything started to change. Time to change,
1: buckle up, let's do this.
0: So today we are talking about one of Johnny's favorite subjects. Friday in boot camp, we delve deeply into this topic, and it's something that Johnny and I have been discussing over the last decade of how our thought patterns can lead us astray. These are cognitive distortions mental frameworks that distort reality and often Mm. lead us astray into some negative beliefs about ourselves.
1: Yeah, I feel that we dabbled in this subject multiple times when we talked about value, when we talked about the mindsets and frameworks and models episode, we dove into it slightly when we talked about accountability, and so I was just like, well, why don't we just shed a light on that and get into it? And you were right, it is one of my favorite topics, and it's one of my favorite topics because... We all deal with these, and this is one of those rabbit holes that, if you open up and you start talking about mindsets and shifts and how the brain works, and eventually you end up in consciousness, and then eventually you end up in a, as existentialism and and philosophy starts blowing open. I really enjoy this topic because it, it leads to so many others, and it's to me, it's part of the human condition that I find most fascinating and the most fun. And the most dangerous. Yeah, it's all around our perception of reality. Mm -hmm. And our
0: mind will play tricks on us when it's trying to make sense of the world around us. Yeah, And sometimes the tricks it plays on us, if we're not conscious of them, can lead us down paths that ultimately lead to that anxiety, that frustration that we feel. And these are one of the areas that really self-development kind of blossoms from.
1: Yes, and it's because there's quick wins there as well. There are some quick wins on on the surface, but then there's the long-tailed wins that you have to dive into. But the other thing is our minds, we look for patterns and everything, and we place patterns where there isn't patterns so that we can feel safe, so that we can feel comfortable. And that lends itself to cognitive distortions, just things that are not true. And some of these patterns are going to be changing and shifting. And and we love this
0: idea that there are different versions of you. Yes. There's the version you have in your head of yourself, which is ever-changing. And then there's the versions that people have of you, that they've used their own mental frameworks and models to build up based on their interactions with you. Yes. So which are true and which are false? That's really what we're going to be delving into today and trying to help you figure out, are these thoughts that I'm having, are they helpful or are they built in through evolution and through our neurochemistry that allow us to feel uncomfortable in situations that maybe we shouldn't be feeling uncomfortable
1: in? I want to go back to something I said in a few episodes before, and I think it's the start of all this. And and I credit Brett Weinstein for saying this, and I just love the idea of this, that evolution is responsible for all the worst parts of our human being self and, and, and all the best parts. And we're going to see how these cognitive distortions are part of some of the worst processings that we've evolved to own in order for us to survive. Yeah, you can see how some of these things would work
0: in our survival in Absolutely. some situations. But in modern life, some of these things can work
1: against us. And well, and a lot of them, they're based out of fears and insecurities What we're going to be diving into. And to have a, a good picture of how we would feel in the world, so let's strip down civilization, let's strip down society, let's strip down being in a house, on our couch, okay. watching television, and just throw ourselves out into the bush. Yeah, by yourself. Yeah. How long do you think you'd last? How long do you think you could survive out there? How naked and vulnerable do you actually feel put in that position? You have to look at everything around us that we've built allows us to feel as safe as we do so that we're able to philosophize, so we're able to read, so we're able to learn, so we're able to innovate. Without any of this around us, we couldn't do any of those things. And these are distortions. This is important, right? Our mind
0: is playing tricks on us. It's trying to rationalize the irrational in ways that, as Johnny said, gives us comfort. Yes. And a lot of times when we're trying to work on ourselves, we've built up these beliefs about what we're capable of, what we should and shouldn't do, the way people perceive us. So we're going to start unpacking some of these because these are things that Johnny and I have both struggle with working on pushing back against this and we call each other out on them
1: yeah and they're really fun i mean once you identify them you have control over them by painting that picture i just wanted to make sure that in setting this up we understand how fragile we actually are right and it it takes all these things to feel safe and we go through all these mental gymnastics in order for ourselves to feel safe so we can actually function in the world world. Without that feeling, we're left alone dealing with these thoughts and it's not pretty. The biggest cognitive distortion of all
0: is number six. This is the one that we see the most on the couch and camp, And it's one that I've definitely struggled with and we'll get there. I'm excited to dig in because Johnny has some great stories around it. We were talking before the show about, you know, this idea of what's a great metaphor or way to explain these cognitive distortions if this is the first time you've heard of them, right? And I know as we've chose to go deep into some of these topics, it is the first time our listeners are not encountering them. So Johnny, you have a great example in class
1: of what this cognitive distortion voice is. I think a lot of people have it set in their own ways. And for us, we explain it as a bad house guest. Somebody comes over your house, he just starts breaking stuff, puts his feet up on the furniture, and the longer you entertain that bad house guest or this bad thought, the more damage it's going to do. Right. And your cognitive distortion is you rationalizing this person's behavior in, a, in your house. As so, acceptable. As acceptable so he can continue doing this. And the longer you entertain that bad house guest, the more he'll destroy. Brene Brown... She dubs it the gremlins. What are the gremlins saying? Right. And uh we also we've seen it as one that I think everyone from childhood stories can relate to is Eeyore. Oh guys, this is gonna suck. It's just he, right, he's catastrophizing, he's complaining about things, he's always delving on the negative, uh negative Nancy, downer Debbie. We've we've heard Multiple variants of this.
0: Yeah, he's the donkey from Winnie the Pooh that is pretty downtrodden, beaten up, and has no belief of success in himself. And this is what psychologists will classically use to define and explain cognitive distortion. So, this bad house guest, we're going to delve into how to rid yourself of this house guest, how to work on that at the end of the show, some prescriptive measures we can take to start
1: improving our mental well-being well let me ask you this right like this is i always bring this up in class like so let's just say that i come over your house right you open the door and as a good host as you are for all the events we have it's me casa sue casa you show me around i'm sure you'll throw on some tunes you'll get some drinks going and i'm now left to just chill out and check out your house so i'm i'm like laughing at your television it's like is that all you got and maybe i'm I didn't wipe my feet and I'm just kind of rubbing them on the the carpet there. And you notice this right now. I don't think there's anybody who would allow that sort of behavior to go on very long. Right. Right. It's your house. Yes. Why would you allow that to happen? So I want to equate bad thoughts equally as that bad house guest. If you wouldn't allow this person to walk around trash in your house, why would you allow this, entertain this thought? Because that thought is doing the same things. That thought is poking at you. This thought is poking at other thoughts. This thought is causing you to question and self-doubt and second-guess your decisions. So those are the same. So you would throw the bad house guest immediately for fucking up your house. Would you allow this bad thought then to continue to do the same thing? Well, I hope not. Of course. So when we get to the end of this, we'll be talking about things that you can do to throw out the bad house guests, things that you can do to get rid of the bad thought. And I keep going back to this,
0: but this is really important. Thoughts are just thoughts. Yeah, We have good thoughts. We have bad thoughts. So we're going to get to this in number six a little bit later. I'm really excited about this. Negative filtering is something that I actually have a struggle with as well. And then only focus on the negative thoughts but so we can see how quickly we can turn into a very negative worldview, a very, we can start to lack confidence in ourselves. We mm-hmm. can struggle with feeling comfortable and that can lead to anxiety. So I love that metaphor of the house guest. I think of it as pruning the garden, right? Yeah. Who, who, who are you entertaining? Well. The good house guest or the bad house guest, mm-hmm. right? The bad house guest has to go. The good house
1: guest, well, you're inviting back over. The thing about it is the house guest is going to, have an effect on the other guests that are there, including yourself. Right. So if you're entertaining the good house guest who's building everyone up, always focusing on the positive, giving value, well, then guess what? The other house guests that you have, including yourself, starts to mimic that behavior, and you're adding to everything. If the bad house guest is left in, he starts talking trash, he's running amok, he's wiping his feet on the furniture, guess what? Now your other guests are acting up and doing the same. And the next thing you know, you're now starting to second guess your thoughts and what's going on. And now there's more people with this behavior. There's more influence. Yeah. So does that make it right now? Before when it was just one guy, you're a little bit mad or you're a little upset. Now everyone's doing it. So I guess that's just the norm. Well, if you allow it to go that way, it will be the norm and you will color everything you see through that lens.
0: Which leads to the negative thoughts, which yes. leads to that anxiety we're talking about. And psychologist Aaron Beck first studied cognitive distortions and the effects on our thoughts. But it's not just influencing our thoughts here. These distortions can influence the way we feel and ultimately act Absolutely. And that's why we started the thought, right? We want to start at the root cause before it starts influencing our actions. And a lot of times in boot camp, we see that the thoughts have been happening for years. Yes. The beliefs have crept in. And all of a sudden the beliefs are reinforcing action or inaction. Mm-hmm. So that anxiety you're feeling, it started with a cognitive distortion. I'm not good enough. I'm not interesting enough. They're not attracted to me. That thought turned into an emotion of oh man, I don't feel good when I'm out socially because I think people don't like me. Turned into, you know what? I'm not going to go out socially anymore because I feel bad when I'm
1: out. Yeah, and then you want to point back, well, it's the reason you don't like going up is because you believe something about yourself. And usually the first retort from that is, no, that's not it at all. Well, I'm here to show you that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And we have ways of doing this. Well, I think the other thing here is a lot of times belief
0: gets colored with religion. So when sure. you say you have a belief, people can be like, well, no, no, no. I'm not talking about morality or yeah. religion here. Beliefs are something simpler about what you're capable of, about the way people feel about you or your view in the world and your place in the world. So when we say beliefs, it's not coming from a religious component. I, I do want to stress that because I know sometimes it colors the way we look at things. So a great example of this, and we hear this Time and time again, no one will ever love me. No one will ever like me. Very common This this strong, clear, never, and everyone, right? It's combining the two so that no way, no how. Now, imagine if this is your belief. Oh, yeah. How are you going to feel on a daily basis? Yeah. Pretty bad. Are you going to take action to interact with people? Are you going to take action to try to put yourself out romantically? Yeah. No. So,
1: these thoughts leading to emotions, then leading to actions, we're trying to nip it in the bud. You know why I love doing this show? Because this allows me to get things off my chest that I want to say on social media, but I can't because everyone would then attack me. Right? Like, just the other day, I had a friend who basically posted, I guess it's not meant to be single forever. I saw that. (laughs) Mutual friend of ours. Yeah, and – I can easily launch into that right but I first of all I know
0: everyone loves the preacher on Twitter he's oh, coming out yeah. telling him what he's doing and how his beliefs are flawed
1: yeah and it, and obviously that's a This is the thing I think we get in trouble with in social media, where that is a conversation two people should have on the side and not in front of everybody on a thread that they posted on Facebook. Yeah, go to the 101 (laughs) Cafe, have a club sandwich, and talk to them about, hey, that might not be a healthy (laughs) (laughs) worldview. So it's like one of those things where I, I love coming in here because I get to unload and I don't have to worry about anyone going, well, why did you say that about me? Because my rocker friends don't listen to this show. <laughs> yet. That's a yet. big caveat. Yet. And if any of them are, you can write me going, oh, I am Mr. Smartass. <laughs> the other important point here is the
0: influence of these distortions can often be subtle. And this yeah. is why we talk about the pulling of the sweater thread. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. So you hear cognitive distortion. You're sitting there. No way. Not me. I don't have these beliefs. I have a healthy mindset, a healthy worldview. Yeah. Then you start examining a little bit. Yes. And you start pulling at this thread and you go, oh, well, maybe that wasn't the right worldview. Maybe that belief is actually hurting me. You pull on the thread and you start to realize, wow, these things are a little more subtle. They're unconscious, but they're having a huge impact.
1: And there's a way to feel to bring these to the forefront so you know what they are. Just in case you're on the previous one where you're thinking, that's not me, I don't have these issues, I'm, I'm solid in my thinking. and If that's what you just said to this, there's an easy way to find out where you stand on that. I went through that realization myself in
0: dealing with the grief from losing my father and going myself into a depression coming out of it the other side, I was still holding on yeah. to some of these beliefs and the emotions tied to it. And it didn't really click with me until we started talking about cognitive distortions. We were going through the list together and I was walking through your lecture and I was like, wait a second.
1: I do that. <laughs> I I see
0: myself at number four here.
1: Yeah. Then once, once that opens up, well, then you could not see them in other ways. But we're not saying this to be fearful because I also feel it's really empowering. Very right? much so, just like the brutal truce episode. Exactly, where when if you, you understand them, can see these things, you can start to
0: recategorize and reprioritize some of your thoughts. Yeah, before they lead to these
1: emotions and beliefs. Well, this is where the aspect of turning your weaknesses into strengths comes start, in. Right, this is. Where you, you identify, you recognize it, you start working on it, and then you can be emboldened and empowered by it. But there's a lot of work to get there, but we can, this is where it starts.
0: When left untended and left to your own devices with these cognitive distortions, they can lead to anxiety and ultimately darken your view of the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And all of a sudden the conspiracies creep in, and all of a sudden it's everyone else is
1: out to get me. Well, The world is out to get me. Remember what I said earlier? We see patterns where there isn't any. Right. So if you allow yourself to feel that way, you'll start connecting dots that aren't there. And that's where the conspiracy theories are born. And it's funny because they'll just seem so natural and perfectly right. fit. <laughs> it's the perfect. Puzzle piece to the jigsaw, right? Oh, this just hits. It all comes together. (laughs) Now I see the entire world. (laughs) I I wanted to also preface this with that if you want to see or have a – understand where these cognitive disorders might be more pronounced or what you buy into, find any sort of thing that gives you some fear, public speaking, socialization, skydiving, whatever that might be, and go ahead and sign up. Throw yourself in the mix and, oh, boy, your internal dialogue going on is going to be so colorful of cognitive distortions and and the gremlins and the Eeyores and, and the bad guests. Yeah. And you'll get a real sense of what you tell yourself in a time of distress because when you're sitting in your house on your couch eating chips, watching, playing video games, you're not dealing with any of this stuff. This is why that's comfortable. Now, when we take ourselves out of that situation, you're going to tell yourself all kind of stuff to get out of that situation because you're in a fight-or-flight situation. You're walking into the unknown. And here's why I feel like we're in the trenches. Yeah. Right? We
0: are fighting against technology. We are fighting against escapism. Yes. We just had an event last night (laughs) at the house. Uh, VR LA after party, a bunch of the VR community came over and we're looking at doing some VR in class and figuring out some ways that it can help our students overcome their anxieties. And talk about a group that's moving in the opposite direction, right? Trying to create a virtual reality where there is- I've heard some crazy pitches last night. (laughs) Oh, we certainly (laughs) did. We didn't sign up for many, but we heard plenty. Yeah. The idea here that technology allows us to escape- confronting these issues, escape our psyche, escape our subconscious that is powering and driving these anxieties. And that's what we find. We find that the more we escape, the more we pull away, the less likely we are to
1: confront these core issues that can ultimately change the path of our lives. Absolutely. You know, it was funny. I was talking to somebody last night and they, I've never experienced any sort of VR whatsoever other than just video games, but never the the full headset. Well, I I made the mistake. (laughs) I I was in Tokyo and I I put Uh, it on. Oh, okay. And it was
0: a poor version. It was was several years ago. Yeah. And I got sick. Yeah. I got (laughs) nauseous. So last night I'm telling this anecdote. I'm like, oh, I don't touch VR. I put on the headset. I got sick. Oh my God, I, I heard earfuls from everyone. Oh, I'm sure the, the you VR did. The VR technology has advanced so much yeah. that I can't wait to put on a headset again because it's a whole different ballgame and right. it continues to evolve. So I'm excited. We should probably do a YouTube video of us VRing because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Okay, you, Jim, well, we can, we can
1: definitely do that. We'll see me get sick. One of the things that. I had mentioned some, so someone asked me, what do I think about all this and what, and some of the pitches I've heard? I'm like, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have my reasons for uh, hearing this for, for class, but it's just not my thing. I, in fact, I never experienced this And the guy goes, oh, you're more of an IRL person. And I go, huh? And he goes in real life. I'm like, well, I don't even know your acronym. <laughs> it's just like. How we even have to talk of these things, though? I was quite amused by the whole thing. I was IRL. like, "How did I not know that?" You learn something new every day. I learned something. I thought new that now. was a show on
0: MTV that Carson Daly hosted. <laughs> I think it was TRL. Now we we have a list here, and there's ten. And I would love to hear from the audience if there's any distortions that were missing on this list this is not an exhaustive list. There are plenty more distortions than this, and we were kind of going through and and picking and pruning some of our favorites. These are the core principles that we'll go over in class on Friday as well and dig deeper into, but I I wanna start with number one because-
1: Well, can I, I wanna preface this with, when we read these off, you will have a gut feeling towards certain cognitive distortions. Reason is, is because those are the ones that you buy into. Those are the ones close to you. And so I want you to pick those out because when you hear those and those repeat, that's how you know you're walling yourself off from a fear or insecurity. And if you successfully wall yourself off from one, and maybe you do it again because you didn't like feeling that discomfort, now after two, you're putting a pattern together, right? right? You're You're building yourself. You're building a habit. So when three comes and four comes, if you don't deal with these, they will deal with you. And before you know it, you'll be locked in your own little world that you've created to wall yourself off from feeling any of these things. So please maybe write down or make a mental note of one. we mentioned one that maybe gives you a little bit of a eerie, icky feeling. Because that's that's it. That's your yeah, favorite. We, exactly. And we're, we're going to point— in. Striking a chord. And we're going to point out our favorites, too. We're not above this at all. In fact, that's why we're talking about it, because we have so much fun with these. It's an ongoing struggle. Yes. Like, these are things that Johnny was pointing out to me last week,
0: catching myself in them. So, And we get this time and time again. Oh, you guys, coaches, you must know better than everyone. I know a little bit more, and yeah. because of that, I feel a little bit more insecure. I'm trying to work through these things. I'm trying to push my way through. I might know a little bit more about
1: psychology and what's going on here, but we're all struggling with these things. Yes, and we like to make these things fun. I mean, if you once you recognize them, you can have some fun and play some games with it and allow yourself to laugh at these things when they pop up. And that is step number one in dealing
0: with these cognitive distortions. If, if you hear one on the list here, let out a hearty laugh in the car. Let out a laugh to yourself because we're on to something. Yes. Now, number one here, emotional reasoning. The tendency to take your emotions as evidence of how good or bad something is.
1: Mm-hmm. And the reason why this is number one is because this was one of my main culprits. And it's, it basically goes this way. I feel it, therefore it must be true. And this is also what led me into skepticism. I seriously figured that there was a way for me to tap into like my, my sixth sense. Something, spidey sense. My spidey here. sense. This is... That's preface when I was younger, because I felt a certain way. The world must be telling me something that I need to tune into. And I actually believe that. Granted, all of my assumptions that I made about it were incredibly wrong, right? I've never they were never, never hit pants, never, yeah, never hit on one, right? And it wasn't until I was getting into human nature that I realized that all these assumptions were based on, fear. Therefore, it colored everything in a way that I needed to remove myself or that it was bad. It wasn't until later that I learned it was because I was walking into the unknown is why I felt that way. It didn't mean that all things were going to hell or uh, this is a bad move. It was because you don't know what's about to happen. Right. And when you don't know what's about to happen, that can be scary. And that's what we're
0: talking about. These distortions are used to wall yourself off from the discomfort. I, I love that idea. And some examples here. I'm scared to go talk to that person. Therefore, it's genuinely dangerous, right? So our emotion now is overwhelming, and it's reinforcing this belief that something is so scary because I'm feeling this negative emotion. I need to avoid it at all costs. I feel offended by what you are saying. Therefore, what you are saying must be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. We're taking our feeling, and we're attaching it to the other person and, and labeling them as such. Yes. Or, I feel boring. Therefore, I must be boring. We hear that one all the time. Yeah. When asked, what do you do for fun? I'm boring. Yeah. I I don't don't know. I don't know. know. Then you dig a little bit more. You ask a few more questions. you're like, wait, you do a lot of things for fun. You do
1: a lot of things with your life. You're not boring at all. You know, it's funny. You mentioned something this morning. And I was asked, I was doing an interview for another podcast uh, for millennials, Z it was called. And she was asking me about having conversations with other people. And how do you stay interested or, or act interested or how do you keep it going? And this goes with where everyone likes to think that they're boring. Right. And I may mention that this idea that everyone, everyone has something special to offer the world. That's debatable. I know a lot of people who don't really have anything valuable to offer anything. In fact, if they had their choice, they would burn the world to the ground. However, there's a story in there of how they got to that place. Right. And that's where the interest is. That's where the stories are. That's And to me, that is extremely interesting and entertaining. How did you get to this place? To the person who wants to burn down the world, to the person who wants to lighten the world. Like th- there's amazing stories in there. If you can find the interest in that, well, then everyone is now interesting. Everyone has a story to tell. And, there is that old story of just because you have you might have a story to tell doesn't mean you should write it. I think everyone has an opportunity to write their story. In fact, we've been advocating that with the podcast, with vlogging, blogging, everything. People want to read. People want to find out about you. People are interested. Either way, get the story out. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that process either. Even if you
0: got two listeners or two viewers, get the story out. You know, I, I think a lot of times what we're talking here is about is this idea that. We are fused to our thoughts and emotions. Therefore, I am this, I am that. And you're not. These thoughts come and go. These thoughts are a chemical reaction, and you can choose to hold on to it, Mm -hmm. or you can choose to let it pass along with all the other garbage thoughts that aren't helping you. But what you hold on to, well, that becomes beliefs. That becomes reality for you. So understanding that, hey, some of these thoughts I'm feeling, oh, I'm scared. that doesn't mean I need to write off that whole situation, you nope. talk about facing your fears. That's telling you, oh, this is a direction I might want to move towards.
1: Well, and if you can – and we'll talk about this on prescribing some things. But when you go, oh, wait, I'm nervous. There's fear going on here. Right on. This is the good stuff. This is where I'm learning something. Right? Yeah. That's my favorite realization on Saturday
0: when we're sitting having group dinner at mm-hmm. the end of boot camp when – Everyone in the room starts thinking about, wow, okay, I faced this one thing that's been giving me anxiety that I've had some fear. And they're like itching to like, okay, what's the next thing that I can kind of push back on now? Right. Yeah. You feel like you have some superpowers. You're yeah. like, oh, I tackled that one monster under the bed. Now it's time what's to get it. What's in to the work? closet? I'm gonna slay that dragon. You you all of a sudden you feel like, wow, now I know that it wasn't nearly as scary as I thought it would be. And on top of that, I can do it. So now mm. I'm ready to take on some other things. So this distortion. Emotional reasoning, taking yes. your emotions and ascribing beliefs to them, right? Mm-hmm. This person is such because I feel this. This situation is such because I feel this. Well, we can start to see how that holds us back, that that Absolutely. doesn't allow us to function properly in the world. The second one we talk about is mind reading. <laughs> and I, you're laughing because this is like – one of the most common questions we get in terms of the underlying question, mm-hmm. right? The surface question that what's going on, this person, this, this person, that, the underlying premise is always how can I get inside this person's head and figure out what the heck that they're thinking so that yeah. I can make a move, so that I can take action. Yeah. And a lot of times we're reading their mind wrong. We're giving them the wrong thoughts. We're saying, well, they acted this way, so therefore I know what they're
1: thinking. They must be thinking this. I can't remember where it was, but I had read something that said, if you want to find yourself barreling into depression, pretend you can read people's minds. And I love that so much. And the best way to find your way out of that is to challenge your assumptions about people and watch how wrong you really are. So how can we do that? How can we challenge our
0: assumptions about people? If there's someone that you have a negative assumption around.
1: Yeah, well, to test it, right? Ask them a question. Give them them an opportunity. Give them opportunity. Ask the bar something. Ask them their expert opinion. Advice. Story. Yep.
0: Now, this tendency to ascribe one's opinions and intentions to other people, and they're usually negative. Right? This mind reading is usually happening course, in the negative. Based out of
1: fear. Very rarely
0: are we mind reading people in the positive. Like, oh, they must love me so much. They must be so excited to hang out with me. It's typically coming from a negative place. And instead of allowing other people to have their own thoughts, you're essentially telling them what they should be thinking and feeling based yeah. on what you're
1: thinking. Oh, that's, that's mighty nice of you.
0: <laughs> hey, why are you feeling this way? And we talk about the stream of consciousness. So let's let's take a step back. We're sitting next to yes. our stream of consciousness. we got all these beautiful thoughts passing by.
1: Well, beautiful, nasty, weird stuff.
0: Okay, there's some funk in the stream. Hell there's yeah, there's some course. garbage floating downstream. <laughs> How many of those thoughts, those items, are about you? 98, 99, 100%? It's your stream of consciousness. So when we start trying to mind-read other people, we oftentimes think... That they're thinking about us. They're putting all their thoughts on us, right? It's our perception playing tricks on us again. Because naturally, we're all we think about. We're the star in our movie. We're the focus of everything. And all of a sudden, we start trying to mind read, what is this person thinking? They have to be thinking about me
1: because they're acting this way. Well, the other thing is, once again, going back to the idea that I have this sixth sense, spidey, tingly sense, right? How much of my life would change if I was actually able to read the minds of the people that I'm about to engage in. You probably wouldn't go out of the house. (laughs) I'd probably see out less. (laughs) Well, I'd feel like I was in control as well. Right. I was like, Oh, I know, I know she likes me so I could go over and I could go chat with this girl. What was that Jack Black movie where,
0: Oh yeah. Right. You, you start to realize that you don't actually want to hear the thoughts going on around you. No. You would probably put on Bose noise-canceling headphones <laughs> and not want to
1: hear the chatter of everyone else's thoughts. Well, we get so many people who come through the program, they're like, I want to learn how to read body language so I know what people are thinking. And to your point, no, you don't, <laughs> first of all. And two— That's impossible. What you can read is a general consensus of how they might be feeling about themselves in that situation. But you cannot make the assumption of how they're feeling about you. Exactly. That's the difference. You can read what their emotional state might be Mm -hmm. based
0: on some signaling non-verbally. Yeah. But you can't ascribe that emotional state to you as the cause. (laughs) Right? That's where we trip ourselves up. So we might get a sense for, yeah, this person seems really happy. Well, he could be happy because— He got a raise before he walked into the bar. He could be happy because on his way to the networking event, he got called and he's getting a promotion. It doesn't necessarily mean he's wearing that big smile because of you. And this is the spotlight effect. We all, and it's a phenomenon that's well-studied, we all believe that we are being noticed more often than we truly are. Oh, yeah. As I was talking about that star in your own movie, being that one is constantly in the center of one's own world, An accurate evaluation of how much one is noticed by others is uncommon because we're so self-absorbed and focused on our own thoughts, actions, and feelings. The reason behind the spotlight effect comes from the innate tendency to forget that although one is the center of one's own world, one is not the center of everyone else's. Exactly. This tendency is especially prominent when one does something atypical. So the spotlight effect compounds itself when we start to see things that are outside of our normal patterns, and we start to ascribe them to us. We are the cause of it. We must be. The reason people are noticing us is because of ourselves, right? Yes. It's this constant need to be fulfilled personally and also rationalize everything around you as something personal.
1: A lot of that, we've seen it where people are so nervous that somebody is going to zoom in on whatever imperfection is on their face or their hair or what's going on only to find out that no one has heard. How many times specifically does somebody in class mention it? They're scared of talking because they have a speech impediment or a stutter. And we're like, where is it? Yeah. (laughs) We are not hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it's only when I get nervous. Okay. Well, Are you nervous? Actually, I am. Why? (laughs) Right. I'm not
0: hearing anything.
1: Yeah.
0: And you can see this effect if you go out wearing a silly costume. We had a funny video on YouTube about 10 years ago of some of the guys in the company wearing silly costumes going out. Yeah. And you would assume that everyone on the busy street in lower Manhattan is going to stomp and look at these guys why they're wearing costumes. Most people just went about their day. They're so self-absorbed and worry about themselves. They're not concerned about a tiger walking across the street. Yeah, They're not concerned about the kangaroo in the crosswalk. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. It doesn't stand out that much. So understanding that, yes, you are the star in your own movie, but guess what? Everyone has their own movie that they're That's the star right. of. They're running that same pattern. So some examples that we hear, people think I'm poor and lazy if I wear the same shirt twice. Right? I can't wear the same thing two days in a row. People will make assumptions about me. My friends will think I'm a loser if I talk about my feelings. Yeah. Right? We start pretending as if we can get inside someone else's mind and read what their thoughts and feelings are about us as if their focus is on us. Stop trying to mind read.
1: It's a fool's game. <laughs> it is it a fool's leads game. to depression, as Johnny was talking about earlier. And it just makes you sound crazy. <laughs> it totally does. And let's take a
0: step back. I feel as we get older, this phenomenon creeps up more and more where you just stop giving a fuck what other people think and care about you. Absolutely. And it it starts for some people in their 20s, some people in their 30s, some people it takes even longer
1: to get to that point.
0: But this idea of like, okay, they like you or they don't, who cares? Why is that such a big concern to you? There's always going to be people that love you. There's always going to be people that hate you. Understanding that, trying to get inside their mind and dissect what's the root cause of these thoughts or how we can manipulate or
1: influence or change them, it's a waste of time. Yeah, but it just could make things so easy if I just could. And this is why you see books fly off the shelves that make these claims. This is, And this is why— I got into skepticism because I didn't want to fall for this kind of silly stuff anymore. I wanted to make sure that I was concentrating on the things that mattered, which was controlling myself rather than other people. Yeah, controlling other people's <laughs> thoughts. I'm not, I can't be
0: concerned with that. I'm trying to control my own. I had exactly. a big enough battle going on. Absolutely, that
1: and that should t- that that takes up all your time.
0: <laughs> Following along with this mind reading. And right into the fact that everyone's running their own movie and their story is, number three, personalization. (laughs) The tendency didn't take matters personally, right? Oh, this person did X because of me, because they don't like me. She rejected me. It must mean that I'm an undateable person and everyone's going to reject me. He didn't text back because he probably thinks I'm a loser. Uh, these listen. guys are laughing on the other side of the street surely they're laughing because of me
1: that's an e and it's, it's an easy thing to do why because the only way that you have to relate to the world is through your senses which puts you in the middle once again i've even been, I heard people subscribe this to sporting events oh i can't go to the game because every game i've been to that my team's lost and it happens all the time. In my youth, I was watching <laughs> Michigan games from a certain spot on the couch,
0: right? I thought I was having an impact on the team on the field based on where I'm sitting in a living room hundreds of miles away from the stadium.
1: That's all hardcore sports fans dream to just feel that you are some house. you the jersey. You're I, part of the team. I'm doing my
0: part. Come on, guys. <laughs> I've seen you with your terrible towel. You yeah, think man. it has some magical powers, except for that <laughs> Tebow evening, but we won't get into <laughs> it. <laughs> Number four, black and white. This one is one of my pet peeves. When people speak in absolutes, writing people off, everything is crystal clear. This tendency to perceive events as either or, good or bad. If something's not good, it must be bad. There are no in-betweens, there's no gray area, there's no room for well, different views.
1: Let's go to some other ways. So there's black and white, winners and losers. Right. There's so many different ways. In my household, it was, well, you either figure it out or you're pussy. That was the blue collar way of, of letting me know that those are were my choices. And it's like, when you look back and it's like, well, there just doesn't seem to be room to grow there, does it? It's either you're gonna win or you're gonna lose. You either pass or you failed. Yeah. It's this idea. It's either or.
0: Yeah. It could take on a variety of categories, but the either or doesn't allow for gray area and doesn't allow you to fully participate, right? When we're getting either or, it's easy for us to write things off. It's easy for us to disengage. And it's that rationalization that's starting to work against us. When I write this exam, I must get an A plus or I'm a failure. Yep. I go to this party and everyone must like me. How often do we hear that, Johnny? I want to run the room. (laughs) I I want everyone (laughs) to love me at this party. Yeah. It's a great goal. Sure. But it's certainly not going to make or break my evening. It's not going to be something that I'm freaking out about the next day because Bill at the dip didn't like me. He said something snide about my shirt. I always need to be funny, witty, charming, good looking, or else I'm a screw up.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know that goes with well all these. There's a lot of upbringing that goes along with these, and what you've heard over and over again as a child, and perhaps we always say to the fathers who have come through, of your children are, are looking to you on how to view the world. They're looking to pick up your mindsets, your frameworks, your models, and if you see it that way, well, then it's easy for little Jimmy to go. Well, and then that's yeah, the way. That makes I'm sense look. to me. Makes sense to me. Uh, that's the way my dad did it. Trust. Mm-hmm. So it must be the case. It's to be able to lead by example. And if the people around you see you deconstruct things and look at them for what they are and be able to go, oh, well, you know, I didn't make my goal, but here's where I did land. And that was better than last week. So I know that I'm on the right track. So guess what, kiddo? We're moving forward, right? And and to be able to deconstruct, the child's progression at playing basketball or at math class or, well, here's what you did last week. Or I we didn't hit our goal this week, but he, this, you move forward. Right. And if we continue down this path, we're going to nail that goal. You did great. We are celebrating from last week. And all of a sudden. Right. It takes some pressure off you. Yeah. I'm I'm doing good, really, but I didn't make it. But we made it further than last oh, right. week. We're getting there's progress going on here. And, and it's so funny because growing up, my dad was like that with sports. Yeah.
0: Because he wasn't very athletic. He played some baseball. So he would was always like, oh, you didn't make the basketball team. Well, you got to the second stage of tryouts, right? He was always able to celebrate the smaller victories. For yeah, that's athletically, good. But when it came to academically. Yeah. I felt if I'm not a doctor, I'm a failure. Yeah, well, yeah. And yeah. it started from a very young age and all the way till I said, you know what? I'm not going to medical school. And I still beat myself up and felt like a failure. So it's very easy to get caught in this. I, I see this, too, with the, the hero worship and the villainization of people, right? Wow, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, he's such an evil scumbag How to hurt everyone. <laughs> oh, this guy's is perfect.
1: He's a hero. He's a champion. Well, I, it's know, I, always in the middle, and I think that goes a lot to the problems in our fabric of society now. With uh oh, we're we're going after Alex Jones. <laughs> now we're going to the fabrics of society. Well, yeah, just, careful, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just mentioning that there's so that there's villainization on, on on all parties, and it's like, well, if you don't believe this, then you're way over there. I'm like, well, no, no, actually, I just. I have a nuanced opinion about something. Well, no, because you're it's not this. You're not white, it's obviously black. It's not black, it's obviously white. And that's a huge problem. It's like where's all the nuanced conversations? Oh, it's on this podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: and where's the opportunity for growth? Giving someone else a chance, right? I feel like we're so quick to either write ourselves off or write off others that we don't give people enough of a chance. And that's why we talked about being high value is coming from a much different place of not looking for reasons or excuses that this person should be written off, but looking for ways, reasons to welcome that person and to give that person some attention, acceptance, approval, appreciation. What's true instead is that what matters is seldom all good or seldom all bad we live in the gray area start accepting that and stop trying to rationalize everything
1: yeah. as the black and white the first time i realized i had this view was through an ex-girlfriend who was would complain about how this polarization it was either this or that and i and i would always say well that's just not true you think i say these things but i don't and she goes let me prove it to you And I was like, okay, fine, show me. She goes, let's go to your closet. And she goes, what color clothes do you have? I'm like, well, I have white shirts and black shirts. And she goes, you don't have anything between. So I got so mad. That was such a blatant in my face that I went and bought a red shirt that day just to go see. There's a I think you wore it on the show a few weeks ago. We got video footage of Johnny wearing something other than black and white. Well, my closet has a few other colors in it now for purposes of this show, so you don't call me out on my black and white on this show. But no, that made me so mad. It's like even in my wardrobe. It's funny because, (laughs) and
0: we call this the question. Obviously, maybe you're watching us on YouTube. You're listening to us. Different backgrounds, different style, different appearances. And people always wonder, you know, how, how do you guys know each other? What's the story here? How, how are you guys getting along? And (laughs) I feel this black and white when I hang out with your friends. Yeah. It brings it out in myself and I feel it in others. And, over the years, I've started to notice it in myself. Of like, wait a second, why am I writing off Johnny's rocked out, crazy hair, tatted up friend as someone that I shouldn't be talking to, someone that I don't have time for? I'm busy yeah. trying to be a successful entrepreneur, and meanwhile, they're writing me off because I'm wearing a collared shirt oh, it's and so I'm not wearing a rock t-shirt, and I don't happen to like—I don't want to say music, <laughs> 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 but their music. Yeah, right? sure. So it's funny because I feel myself struggling with it, and I see it in our relationship with the people that are around us, sure. right? Because they're like, well, wait a second. Johnny's hanging out with this guy. This guy looks kind of nerdy. He doesn't fit in with the rock and roll crowd. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, I don't have time for this guy. His hair is too long and his he's got too many bracelets on. And over time, <laughs> I've realized that, wow, Johnny's friends are up to some pretty awesome shit outside yeah. of just playing music and outside of being into music that maybe I'm not into and vice versa. And it's mm-hmm. been fun to push back on that feeling, that visceral feeling that I have, this
1: cognitive distortion. I love pushing these to the limit and, and ha- having them fall apart because it just strengthens everything. And we've seen this on field night, right? Uh, right away. Well, this isn't the type of venue that
0: I like back home, so I don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> Start pushing back against this little distortion. You'll find some really interesting sides to people's personalities, to people's stories, instead of engaging in this There's no gray area here. I can't feel comfortable unless I've either written this person off or written this person in. There's nuance to life. Yes. That's the important thing here in all of these
1: things. And I think it's important to look for the nuance before anything else so that you don't get blinded by – because, I mean, just in today's world, it just seems polarized. So it's it's always coming at you. Well, it's
0: funny even now. You know, I finally – Gotten over a lot of that black and whiteism around being a doctor equals being successful. But right. It's funny when I introduce myself to people, I tell a little bit of the backstory like, well, why'd you give up medicine? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, oh, maybe I'm not successful. Yeah. York comes back. <clears throat> And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates, all built in.
1: You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi
0: is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot charm.
1: Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data. And a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
0: Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: (laughs) Number five, overgeneralization. The tendency to overgeneralize based on a single or a few experiences. And these black and white overgeneralization also go hand in hand, right? They're they're partners at this dance. A girl rejects me in a nasty way. So now I conclude all women are bitches. All women are rude. All men are assholes because this one guy hit on me in a really inappropriate way. I failed this exam. Therefore, I'm too dumb to pass any exam, right? We take the one negative, the one experience, and then we generalize that every experience in the future is going to be the same.
1: Yes. And I would, in order to get through this, I think you should hashtag not all. (laughs) We see this all the time. Well, everyone's like this. No, they're not. And once again, we come back to nuance, right. And, and being able to, to work through those and understanding that a single incident is not representative of the whole. Well, here's how, and I took this from you going into the lab Because everyone will ask, when you're going through finding evidence or data to back up an idea or a thought you might have about a situation, and people go, how do you decipher what you can use and what you can't use? I go, well, there's two rules that I go by. One, could you use that in a court of law? And two, if you were in a laboratory, do you have enough evidence to make that a rule? All of a sudden, everyone goes, oh, because all these rules and ideas that they had drawn up, that they colored the world with so they can maneuver, right. is now falling apart. They're actually
0: hypotheses. <laughs> They're very poorly tested, yes. lacking in data, hypotheses about how the world works. And it's fun when you start to go, well, show me the data. Show me the data. You interrogate a little bit, and this is what we do in boot camp. And mm-hmm. part of the coaching is not about you're doing this wrong. You shouldn't believe that. Nope. You got to believe there's this. a lot of questions. It's just simple interrogation. Oh, okay. Can you explain that perspective a little more? Is there something that happened previously that led you to that conclusion? And, and all of a sudden, as we start answering these questions. Yeah. The whole thing starts to fall apart, right? We start to back ourselves a little bit into a corner and go, well, wait a second, some of these rationalizations, I I want to step too far here. I don't actually have the data to back that up.
1: And I love that you use the term interrogation because that is exactly what it is. It's asking some questions that allow you to go, oh, I don't have enough. I don't have enough evidence. I don't have enough to substantiate that. And I love using, when when we do this, I love using courtroom terms because it puts it into – I need something good. This has to stand up right. in a court of law. And so they're shuffling through this Rolodex of looking for information and it's not coming up. They're like, I can't use that. Can't use that. I can't use this. Oh shit, I got nothing. <laughs> well, uh, we okay. found <laughs> I found a distortion. We found a distortion.
0: Number six, negative filtering. The tendency to focus on the negative while discounting the positive. And I feel like our perfectionists listening, they, yeah. they were dragged over the coals a couple episodes ago. This is a very common theme. We're seeking perfection. And all of a sudden, the negative gets amplified. The positive gets thrown out the window. Yep. Well, this one thing didn't work and therefore it's imperfect. So I can't have to discount all these other positive conclusions, all these other positive things that are happening to me because this one negative thing takes precedence. This one negative thing holds all the weight.
1: Yeah. And soon as you put together why the negative holds all the weight, everything now becomes based off of that. And so it's, you have a a belief structure that is sitting on an, a flimsy foundation that if you start poking holes in, will calm down. And that's why people get a little upset when you start attesting, testing, testing these assumptions or start asking for proof or asking them for proof or the other way. For instance, when we talk about disqualifying the positive, I see this probably the most and weekly because what will happen is the guys will be out on Wednesday night and the guys will have a great time. And they'll come back, and everyone's excited, and it's hard for everyone to go to sleep because they're giggling and laughing about what an amazing night and how much fun they had, and they busted through some, some walls. And... So I'm excited because I can't wait for Thursday review. That's going to be exciting. Everyone's right. amped up. Celebrate and brag and share stories. Yeah. Then I walk in and it looks like,
0: you know. Well, typically you're wearing black, so it does feel very <laughs> funeral-esque, to be fair. Hey, it might be white. <laughs> and there is this feeling of doom, this like setting in of like, they set us up. Well, they, they planted people there to be friendly. You must have known Sarah, AJ. Well, I can, Sarah was being extra flirty with me because she knows the whole rigmarole. Well, here.
1: what I, I love about this, because I know who's feeling that way just by walking in and looking, look at how they're standing or sitting on the couch. And they'll look typically as if a shovel has been racked over the back of their heads and they're slumped in. And you could even look like, what the hell happened to you? Oh well, I mean, I was thinking about last night and uh, yeah, they were you had to put plants in there. It went too well. It went too well. Oh, because it never could be that you had a big smile and you were kicking ass. Finally got and some you, things going in the and right. And you direction. were adding value to the room. Couldn't be that. No. Never. <laughs> and because if that is true, then you have a world of other things that you have to look at. And it would be so much easier to just go back to the idea that I suck and everyone hates me and no one likes me because, because you've already laid out a reality that is completely based around that that is comfortable. And I'm just
0: sitting here thinking, how the hell would we pull that off? (laughs) It's that, Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show, right? Yeah. Do you know how big our staff would have to be? The payroll we would have to carry to have everyone in the bar, the bartenders smiling, just
1: cheering you on. Our film editor is like, hey, can we, can we set that up? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> in budget. He's all excited.
0: <laughs> so this
1: idea of,
0: yes, there are negatives. There sure. are positives. Why are we holding on to one more than the
1: other? Well, having the idea that both of them weigh the same. And we talk about this in reviews like okay, let's talk about two things you could have done better. Let's talk about two things you did well. We get a laundry list of we typically have to <laughs>
0: cut them off. We said yeah. two. We two. just
1: want two things you did wrong. Yeah. And then that we right, now tell me two I things got, you did well. I got this list. I gotta go through them all. So they'll stack up on the scale of all the terrible things that went wrong, that the terrible they are, all the negative. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to have to, with each negative, you're going to have to find me a, a positive that brings these scales back in balance. And let me repeat that again. Back in balance. Your mindset, how you view everything, back in balance. Because if you if those shift, you could be in trouble either way. We all would rather lean on the positive and roll that way than leaning on or having to deal with the negative. But both can be trouble. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) It's a slippery slope. And that's why that balance, right? Calling, hey, I found some negatives. Well, let me find some positives. Yeah. Understanding that it's easy to focus on the negative. It's a distortion that's very common. And, I mean, we can take it straight to where we're sitting right here today. Understanding that it's easy to take the negative feedback and elevate it and dismiss the positive feedback. Oh, they're just a friend. They're a show fan. But this one person, he's really roasting us. He's really coming at us. That means we're doing something wrong. It's easy in every situation to elevate the negative and downplay the positive. Understanding, as Johnny said, that scale is important to your mental health. Yes, it is. We're constantly looking to
1: rebalance things so that we can move forward and feel good. Well, we tend to think that the negative outweigh the positive because we're critiquing ourselves in order to grow. And that's fine unless you're stacking it up to where it's unequal. You can critique away all the momentum
0: and all of a sudden you have no inertia and you're stuck. Yeah. And you're not moving and growing. And that's the
1: problem with stacking all the negatives. And listen, I made that same mistake. I wanted to grow. I wanted to get better. I wanted to make sure that I was being—I thought I was being humble—where I could just stack all my negative problems and, and issues and and just have at it. And of course, it's like, how do you how are you going to get out of your house but you're focused on that? Number seven,
0: fortune telling—the tendency to predict. Failure and setback before an event even occurs. Yeah. This is a problem for me. This is an ongoing problem for me. And it's something that Johnny calls me out on a lot. So the examples of she'll never go out with me if I ask her. Uh, I will flunk this test. I'm sure of it. (laughs) I'm going to bomb this speech on stage. I'm sure of it. Understanding that when you start – Focusing on negative outcomes in the future, Mm -hmm. you're simply reinforcing that outcome. Absolutely. If we focus on positive outcomes, visualization exercises, focusing on what can go right, we can rewrite that script. We can start to put the right things in place that
1: lead to success. Yeah. And listen, if you're rolling into something you've never done before, just allowing it to whatever happens, happens. And I will deal with it afterwards. Of a place of a where I can grow, what I could do better, you know, how I can manage this so this won't happen again the next time. Right. But if you don't, lesson I can take from this. Yeah, and there's been multiple times, and and this is why I love having that outlook because obviously anyone who has done entrepreneurial work knows that you're going to have to wear different hats and a, learn a lot of new skills that you have not done before. And sometimes there's just no way around it. And so if you go into it and and don't do so well or start beating yourself up or all those things, it's hard for you to move forward and put on other hats, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to go through this again. However, if you're able to look at it healthily, see the gains, see what can be better. In fact, we know for, for doing this, that, It makes the company better when you learn how more things work, so You're better able to articulate them to people who do wear those hats. Right. And this is something that
0: we struggled with just a few months ago. Mm -hmm. It was ongoing. This idea of we're amateurs at podcasting. We took over this show. We were doing some toolbox episodes, but I was certainly nervous rolling in here, not comfortable with where we were headed and worried that, we're going to lose all of these listeners and people are going to be very upset and frustrated with the content. And you start psyching yourself out yes. to the anxiety of like, I don't want to hit record. I'm not sure I even want to put this out there. I'm not sure I want to move forward.
1: Yeah. And then what happens You You allow it. Uh, to you hit go. publish. Downloads
0: start coming in. Reviews start coming in. You start seeing some growth. You start seeing some moving in the right direction. And you're like, all right, you know, we're five shows in. We got more downloads than we got last month all right, we got some positive feedback. You know what? Maybe we're not as amateur as we thought. Maybe we can do this. But at the start, it's certainly easy to glom on, to hold on to this isn't going to work. We are going to fail. There's no way that we can succeed. And it's something that as a struggle, you go, why am I feeling this anxiety? Right? That was the root cause. I'm sitting here across from Johnny. We got some cameras going and I'm getting anxious. Like, I'm not even sure I want to drop into this intro, this episode. <laughs> I don't think I'm prepared enough. I don't think I'm ready to go. Can we hash this out a little bit more, Johnny? Hold on. Stop recording. Let's figure this out. Right? And after about half an hour, this Johnny's just like, can we just go? Can we yeah. just hit record? I'm ready. I'm ready here, AJ. And I start going, where's this anxiety coming from? Well, I have this belief that, well, I'm an amateur. I'm not going to be able to succeed at this. Therefore, the anxiety
1: leads to me not wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. But you got to push back against that. Well, yeah. How are you going to move forward if you don't let it fly? And nobody wants to get on stage or publish anything or the critique is, is insurm- yeah, insurmountable. That, And also hearing things that maybe if I concentrate a little bit longer, I would have been able to fix that before we happen. Maybe, maybe not. But if you allow some of those fears to get to you, then they're going to get to you every time. And it's just, it's making the process take a lot longer. And I'd rather just go ahead and make the mistakes now and hear about it and go, you know what? I was thinking that I should have done that, but no problem. We're stronger next time. And it's just, it's just well, for this whole company's origin for and moving into 12 years, like, yeah, let's just do it. We'll figure it out. Right, we have our ears to the ground. We're open to critique. We will fix what is broken. We will strengthen what isn't. And publish
0: is the key. Yeah, right. You, you got to put it out there. You got to get some movement in the right direction. So, feeling the anxiety, start going. Okay, why do I have this belief that I'm not capable? Why do I have this belief? Oh, you know what, AJ? This is a cognitive distortion. This is you fortune-telling, trying to forecast a negative outcome in the future. Oh, now I know where that's coming from. Okay, now I can deal with this a little bit more, Mm -hmm. right? And there's also a sense of relief when you start to recognize some of these distortions. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, now I know why I was feeling this way. I can move past that feeling. I don't have to hold on to that feeling of anxiety. Number eight, magnification,
1: particularly
0: catastrophization or minimization. So we maximize the awful, the catastrophe,
1: or we minimize the positive. This is a thing I see with people trying to get for weight loss. Their goal is 50 pounds. Hey, they got five. That's a good start, but it's never the end goal. So it just gets shrunk into it. It doesn't matter anymore. But that's the victory that you have to celebrate that allows you to know that you're moving in the right direction. Without celebrating that – You're building up more tension or pressure in yourself for the end goal. Yeah. When you exaggerate
0: the importance of things, all of a sudden you start focusing on with binoculars. This is the binocular trick, right? You start focusing on the only thing in front of you. So when you're magnifying, you're focusing on the negative, you're focusing, you're focusing, you're focusing on the negative. Well, that certainly becomes a catastrophe. Then that's the only thing you can see. That's the land ahead is Mm -hmm. negative. I mean, we've encountered this not only in clients that we've worked with. We've encountered this in business partners. It's easy to catastrophize. It is easy to see the negative outcome as being the greatest, worst possible outcome and the imminent, inevitable outcome. Because we're wearing those binoculars, right? Mm -hmm. We're staring in that direction. So taking a step back and saying, well, wait a second. Why does it have to be a catastrophe this time? It may have been a catastrophe last time, but it doesn't have to be a catastrophe this time, right? When you catastrophize, you give up responsibility. You give up control and you start to shy away and allow your anxiety to drive you.
1: And I want to go back to something we said earlier. If you allow yourself to do this one time— Right, and then you, then you give yourself cred, uh, a reason to allow yourself to do it two times, and all of a sudden now you have a habit of doing this. And I've known some world-class professional catastrophizers who, left unchecked, will start believing their own catastrophes, and that catastrophe that is projected is now the reality. Right, And they cannot see their they way out of it. it. <laughs> they can't escape it. it's and, and a difficult place to be. And that's how, if you uh, continue down that road— you will find yourself in a cold, dark place that you don't
0: want to be in. Number nine, self victimization. The tendency <laughs> to see yourself as the victim of your circumstances. So instead of realizing that you have a choice in any situation, you perceive yourself at the mercy of other people or your surroundings. It's kind of like giving up everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate victimization of this is happening to me because this person's out to get me because my coworkers hate me because I didn't go to the right school because the world is conspiring against me.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you have to allow, you have to give yourself a few of these other gives like the, the black and white and maybe the Forge Teller and all these point to one area, right? So now it's like, it's easy to go, well, must be me. Yep, I, <laughs> I'm the problem. I'm the problem, I'm the victim. And I can't get ahead because of this reason, this reason, and this reason, and that person, and that person, and that person. And the most
0: common word used here is never. Mm-hmm. I can never this, I can never that. They'll never this, they'll never that. Right. All of a sudden, we are the ultimate victim of the world, life conspiring against us. What's true instead is you always have a choice to make and you're always responsible for your choices or lack thereof. There's a choice that led you to the choiceless position. We may not want to think about it. We may not want to deal with it, but we have choices. Are we making the right ones or are we making the wrong ones that lead to us feeling this victim mentality? And there are tons of cognitive distortions. We're running through some of our favorites the ones that have impacted us, and some of them we I myself included, am struggling to overcome. Mm-hmm. But understanding them is the first step to working through them. Yeah. So hopefully we've highlighted a few cognitive distortions that you can work with. As we get to number 10, our last one, this is should statements. When you try to motivate yourself with shoulds or shoulds, yeah, it's
1: going to be this way. It, it must. It's must be this way. It
0: should be that way. Must, oughts. These are all offenders, mm-hmm. right? Should, must, ought to. The emotional consequence of all of this, of course, is guilt. Yeah. Some of us were raised in a guilty, <laughs> shaming upbringing. Religion was tied to some of it for me, of course, but both of us. When, when we talk about We should do this. We shouldn't do that. This often comes from parenting, right? Mm -hmm. When you think about it, a lot of these shoulds and shouldn'ts were passed down to us from childhood. You shouldn't do this. You should never accept candy from a stranger. You should never answer the phone when you're home alone. All these shoulds and shouldn'ts. How many of them are still letting them drive the car, drive
1: our life? I love watching this when we're setting up our Thursday activities a a program and we've just went through a review and I'll hear, Well, listen, if I go up there and, and do it this way, it should be just fine. And I go, Oh yeah? So what told you that? And once again you start oh, interrogating. You're Johnny. Like, oh well, I we got well, because it well and, real, and then once again, they don't have anything they could use right. in a court oh, of
0: It did last time.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah? Last time, huh? Oh, I, your
0: one data point. That's yeah. going to hold up. Peer-reviewed <laughs> <laughs> journal.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating. Can't Be, wait blow, to read it. Blow my mind. That's how, let's see how that works out for you. Keep believing it. It's quite hysterical. But when you place those, when you get to the situation that you've placed all these shoulds and odds and are, are going to be, then you end up getting frustrated. And then who are you going to blame? Usually yourself. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have thought that. And now we're going down that road. Yeah, when you try to
0: motivate yourself with shoulds or shouldn'ts as if you had to be whipped or punished before you did anything, well, of course, you're going to start to feel guilt and shame and it's going to weigh you down. It's going to be extra baggage and weight and keep you from moving forward. Now that our minds are melted, yeah. right, I'm picking up the pieces. I haven't gone through some of these distortions myself. We want to talk about what are some steps we can take to start working on these things and overcoming these cognitive distortions. We want to give a special shout out to Andy S., one of our alums, who sent over that initial thought experiment that got us down this rabbit hole. Right? A different version of you exists in the mind of everyone who knows you mm-hmm. as well as your own mind. And sometimes that version of you is also shifting. The idea that the person you think of as yourself exists only for you and even you don't really know yourself that well. No. So a lot of what we're tackling today is starting to get greater understanding of ourselves and understanding these subconscious processes that are running in the background, forming beliefs, influencing our actions. Then every person you meet and have a relationship with or even make eye contact on the street with also creates a version of you themselves in their heads. You're not the same person to your mom, to your dad, to your coworkers, to your significant other. So, they also have different versions of you. Now, think about this there are thousands of different versions of you floating around.
1: Yes. Sounds like a Rick and Morty episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch that one after the show. <laughs> That's what got us down the rabbit hole. Thank you, Andy, for submitting that on the uh, private Facebook group, The Family for Alumni led to this fascinating story about distortions, and now we want to talk about overcoming some of these, right? Mm -hmm. We've identified that's step one, and what we're about to delve into here is really the foundation of cognitive behavioral therapy.
1: Yes, which is... Huge proponents of it. Yeah, and Aaron Beck is, is so the grandfather of it, and... You know, to a, a larger degree, William James, emotional behavioral therapy before him. But it's all about trying to gather some evidence and data for some of these ideas and challenging your own thoughts through your own emotional thoughts with logic, right. which which is fantastic and I think is one of my favorite things about human beings is using reason to see the world and disregarding your, your emotions of viewing the world, which, which you know, is, is pretty fun. I, I love it. And hat tip to John, the producer,
0: for this exact thought, right? A lot of times people get emotions and thoughts confused. Yes. Right? Oh, I had this thought, therefore I feel this way. Well, no, it's a thought. It's yeah. not an emotion. We don't have to ascribe so much value to the thought. We can actually move past it. It can be part of that stream. Hopefully your stream is a little less polluted than Johnny's, right? We have a little <laughs> less garbage flowing downstream. But we already accomplished step one. You're listening to this show. We're raising awareness around it. That is step one. How are we going to work through this? Well, we got to start identifying the areas that we're running these cognitive distortions in.
1: Yes. First and foremost, identify.
0: Identifying those beliefs that are leading to action and in action. And I like to start where there's inaction. We can pretty readily identify those areas where we're like, I kind of want to do this, but I can't get started. I can't get moving. I don't, I have this
1: anxious feeling around. It. Well, I could, but yeah, I, I should. But yeah, I, I think, but is the key word in there. Like when you know, when you hear the but, that's, there's your cognitive distortion coming. Ding, and ding, ding. <laughs> Step right up. That's where you go to, yeah,
0: battle. Now, We've identified, we've raised awareness. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, let's look for some support. Let's start talking to family and friends and the people around us and interrogating them a little bit around our beliefs and some of our actions. Are they seeing anything a little out of whack? Are they feeling that, hey, you know, I've been trying to get you on this snowboard trip, Johnny, but you keep
1: bailing on me, man. Well, yeah, because, you know, like this and that and, you know, I just know it'll happen and.
0: But I haven't (laughs) snowboarded in years. I haven't been on a board. I just watched these YouTube videos. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So the people around us who know us best are pretty keen to our patterns and Mm -hmm. keen to – What our anxieties are, so that's another great place to find that awareness, to raise that awareness about ourselves.
1: Yeah, I I love this because it's when you are able to identify them, you can go. Well, I can't use that anymore, so I must go do this thing. It's so much fun. We raise
0: awareness. Yes. Why is this so awesome to just to raise awareness? There should be a sense of relief because this is real freedom.
1: Yeah, you're now breaking
0: through those chains of. Distortion that are driving our anxieties and our fears, and ultimately not allowing us to live a fulfilling life. Mm -hmm. So, it actually is the opposite of I'm so screwed. I can't believe I'm in this position. It's freeing, it allows you to drop some of the baggage that we've been holding on to and taking with us everywhere and start to work through some of these negative emotions that have been driving actions and beliefs. Step three let's start tracking. Our monologue, right? If we yes. raise awareness to some, right? We see a little bit of smoke. Well, let's find out where the fire is. Mm-hmm. We talk about this a lot, but it is so key to your development and your growth to start writing down this monologue. Start writing down and processing thoughts and feelings, thoughts and feelings that you have, so that they are not allowed to carry as much weight as they do. And I can't tell you how many times I've wrote something down in my phone that i think this is the greatest business idea this is gonna make (laughs) us so successful i'm so happy that i thought of this right i jot it down in my phone and i kind of go on doing my thing and then typically every couple weeks i'll be going through my evernote i'll be going through some notes and i'm like what in the hell was i thinking that is a harebrained scheme what that is not gonna make (laughs) us any goddamn money why would i think that was so important right? It's so easy for us to get caught up in a single thought, a single emotion. Yes. If we're not processing it, all of a sudden, those things are driving the car. So if you actually take the time to write it down, think about that monologue a little more. Think about all these fears that are pushing back against you. You can realize that, there's less to it than you thought. There's
1: less behind that than necessary. Yeah, and I just want to go back to the idea of it's the stream of consciousness. It's just rushing by. That when you can understand what is rushing by, right, then you can decide what you're picking up and what you're not. What you're going to entertain and what what you're not. And that gives you control. One of the easiest ways to start paying attention to the
0: stream: sit next to the stream. Mm-hmm is to meditate, to be mindful. There you go. Take some time to really let those thoughts and emotions bubble up to the top instead of quickly running to your phone or quickly turning on the PS4 or turning on the basketball game, right? Instead of running from it, let's be mindful. Let's take five minutes. Let's use Headspace, 10 minutes. I love that app. Just starting to understand that, okay, I'm feeling a certain way. Yes, this is a feeling, Yesterday, I wasn't feeling it. Tomorrow, I'm probably not going to be feeling it. You know, I had that thought. Where did that thought come from? You know, I don't really need to hold on to that thought. That thought's less important to me right now. Oh, another thought. And you start to realize that even in the practice of being mindful, it's work quieting your mind. You could spend a whole lifetime not even getting to that point of being truly able to quiet things. But it starts to add some perspective. Mm -hmm. You give those thoughts and emotions less
1: control when you start Mindful practices, meditation. Everyone should give it a shot and see if it works for them. But there are other ways to be mindful without having to go through that practice right. as well. I found that going for a long jog was a easy way for me to first be mindful of just being alone with my thoughts and just watching them. Just uh, here's, the, I'm just going to go on this jog. It's maybe and just The jog I was doing at the time started at like, I don't know, 45 minutes, ended up... Now when I go on, it's two hours, but it's because part of that is I just want to allow the thoughts to rush through and, and just see all what's going on and have an opportunity just to deal with everything. That's my mind is processing in the moment, because we have so many technologies that allow us to quickly rush to blow them off, to not have to deal with them. Right. That's tough. That's painful.
0: Wait, wait. Isn't there a basketball game on? Yeah. I, I, I haven't I checked Instagram in like God five War minutes. just came out.
1: <laughs> I just got a notification. That's it's, much it's, more important. Absolutely. And listen, if 20 years ago, you'd go to the bank and you have to wait in line. And what are you dealing with while you're in line? Your thoughts, right? You're alone. You're just dealing there like, God damn. And then all this other stuff's coming in. Now it's boom, phone's out check Facebook, check Instagram, fuck this person. Oh, I like this person. Like, it's this whole nonsensical insanity that, you know, we now have to take time out to have, and I wouldn't say some of these moments, a lot of these moments, probably on a daily basis. I'm going to say something a little out of character for a podcaster.
0: Okay. Pause the podcast. Yeah. Stop overwhelming yourself with information. And sit with your thoughts and emotions for a minute. You know, how often do we encounter people on the search, the -hmm. search for a better way, the search for more information, more facts, more strategies, more tips, more tips, more ways to overcome this and that and the other. You can get so caught up in the search that you don't realize that all of these things subconsciously are actually running the show. Mm -hmm. They're the operating system. And they're leading you astray. So you think you're doing the honorable thing. You're searching out answers. Yeah, I'm learning. I got stuff going on. Well, you're also running from a lot of things that are driving the car here. Yes. Understanding that I can pause. I can sit with my thoughts. I can sit with my emotions and start to look at the ways that they force action, force inaction, force these anxieties and feelings that I don't like. Instead of the opposite of, Oh well that was a crummy podcast. Let me put on this other one. Let me go search this other thing. Oh, I got to go on Wikipedia. Oh, I got to do this deep dive. Well, so easy to get caught up in that without dealing with the root cause.
1: And I think that's why talking therapy is so powerful because there's you there's nothing for you to do except espouse everything that you're thinking and feeling to somebody else in that moment and be vulnerable. And not only are you looking at the stream of consciousness, you're speaking the stream of consciousness and perhaps you could pick up on something that you, you weren't privy to before because you haven't had that moment. And there's a lot of that driving. So listening, learning about cognitive distortions, starting
0: to track your inner dialogue and monologue and starting to be a little more mindful starting to sit with your thoughts and emotions. All right, now we have to identify these cognitive distortions, right? We raised awareness. Now I know these things are happening subconsciously. I started to look at my thoughts and feelings. Let's identify which ones are causing the most pain, which Mm -hmm. ones are causing you to run in that opposite direction, seeking out that fear, seeking out that anxiety and going, you know what? I'm going
1: to poke a little more here. I'm going to see what's going on here. Yeah. And any of the ones that we mentioned today, if they seem to sting a little bit, circle it. That's one that you deal with. Now we're moving into, let's start challenging them. There we go. Right.
0: Seeking out data that proves otherwise. Mm-hmm. Stop living in just the past, right? Holding on to that one experience that leads you to believe that all future experiences are going to be such. Understanding that just because you have this cognitive distortion doesn't mean you can't fix it either, right? I know this podcast can sound a little defeating, right? Like, yeah. oh, these guys pinned me down. They got me. I'm an overgeneralizer. I'm a black <laughs> and white person. <laughs> oh, no. Right? They don't have to define you. They don't have to be a pattern any longer. They can be something that you can overcome. CBT is obviously one route to that. Yes. Exposure. To these things that are causing you emotional anguish and anxiety will often desensitize you to it, which is another core principle of, okay, we're understanding the cognition, right? We're understanding what's going on mentally. Well, what, what's the behavior that's coming out of this? Is there something we can do there that might fix and change something?
1: Yeah, and let's just say that you are journaling and you just wrote down a cognitive distortion. Here's an opportunity for you now to compile all the data and evidence that you have that supports this claim. And you'll be like, maybe you have one piece of garbage anecdote, and you're like, well, well, that's anecdotal. Wait, wait, I mean, that's all I have. I mean, that's what I based this whole fear on was one anecdotal piece of evidence that my friend told me that was anecdotal to him. Right, that was a friend of a friend that once happened.
0: The spotlight, right? We're shining that spotlight. We got our binoculars out. Sometimes we get we get so focused. Mm-hmm that we just totally disregard all the other data. So sometimes in the search of like, well, what's the data to back up this distortion? Then ask yourself, well, do I have any other data that disproves sure. this distortion? Because that's a conversation and interrogation that we do as coaches as well. Yes. Right? We we hear something from a student. We hear someone say something in boot camp and we go, all right, I'll, I can see that. Okay, So have you got some data to back it up? Well, yeah, of course, AJ. I got these three, four things to back it up. Oh, great. Let's write them down. All right. Now, do you have anything at all that disproves that idea? Is there any event, happenstance that's occurred that might not lead to that (laughs) result? Okay. Well, actually, oh, no. Mm. That list is far longer. Yeah. Right? So that's where understanding that it's easy to get wrapped up in it, And it's easy to see that
1: is the only answer to the problem. I like calling this a scientific toolkit for self-analysis and why this works so well, especially with analytical problem-solving people. Because analytical problem-solving people want facts and data when it comes to engineering, when it comes to software development, when it comes to computer science or the, the med students that we work with, and they apply this in their own lives, at their jobs, but never think to turn that same lens on themselves. And once they do, how it completely flips everything around. And if you already are in a habit of doing this at work, and to turn that lens on yourself is a very easy place for wins. And you'll, you'll learn a lot about yourself.
0: The last thing, we've raised awareness, you learned about distortions, you start tracking your monologue. You start to find some distortions yourself. Now we've challenged them. We're looking for data. The last step is we got to start replacing them. Mm-hmm. Are there ways to look at things that allow a more positive, impactful viewpoint? And I love I love this story, this little story you tell in class, Johnny. I think it's a great way to wrap because it, it illustrates this. Walking down the street, oh, a group yeah. of people yeah. pass you. Yes, they as, start laughing. Yeah, as you get a few steps past them, mm-hmm. they crack up, right? Group of people, guys and girls, they start laughing hysterically. Yes. It's easy, in our view, as we take a few more steps to go, oh, I shouldn't have wore this shirt. Yep. God, they're making mm-hmm. fun of Room my family. haircut. I knew Mikey screwed up my hair. <laughs> right? It's so easy to fall into that viewpoint, that everything's about you, that they must be
1: laughing about you. And we don't have time to go into all the reasons, but there is a. I can give you a laundry list of reasons that make you so self-critical that it's understandable and easy to choose that was about me. So let's just understand that. Right. Now,
0: is there another viewpoint that you could take that might keep you from beating yourself up, having a crummy day, having a crummy week, holding on to that?
1: yeah I always have people ask three questions, right? What evidence and data do I have to back up that that claim? Could there be another reason for what just happened? And am I being so narcissistic and self-centered to think that has to do with me? Right? So if I answer I don't have any evidence or data, right? So right. Look, I
0: just I, I didn't get a chance to ask them. Was that about
1: my shirt? Yeah, hey guys, yeah. you, you were laughing pretty hard. So I there. have no evidence. Uh, number two, that I have a million other reasons why they could be laughing. And three, oh, yeah, I guess I am being self-centered I'm and narcissistic. thinking
0: quite highly of myself here to think
1: that the world revolves around just me. Exactly. So upon answering those questions, how can you logically hold on to that that was about me or they were laughing at my shirt or they found me unappealing or whatever – that cognitive distortion is going to be and so then after throwing that idea out you can go back to concentrating on what matters shoulders down the back big smile holding your head up and walking on the street and you never have to give that idea another ounce of thought
0: i love it another great episode in the books If you're struggling with cognitive distortions and you're human, so you probably are hit us up on our social media accounts at the art of charm or email me AJ at The Art of Charm, or Johnny at The Art of Charm, especially if you think we missed a cognitive distortion or two.
1: Yeah, we would love your feedback on this topic. We're also going to be devoting some upcoming episodes to your questions and our answers specifically on the topic of first impressions. So email us or post on Twitter or Instagram, and we'll call you out if we choose your question. Speaking of which,
0: we do want to give a shout out to Brennan, a young guy from Maryland now living in L.A., He wrote in about episode 699 when Johnny had interviewed me, and he said, I'm reaching out because I'm from a small town as well, and I'm really into history and biology. And my whole life, everyone told me I was talented and smart, so I never really committed myself or actually tried at anything. I have these big dreams and goals that I know I can accomplish, but I'm really struggling to get started and start making things happen.
1: Thank you, Brennan. We hope you see from today's episode that there are some stories that you may be telling yourself to keep you from jumping in. This reminds me about when we talked about perfectionism and also last week when we dug into accountability. Just get started. Don't worry about the outcome. Brennan, we hope to meet you and others who are struggling with how to get
0: started or how to make yourself a high performer on a boot camp soon. For more information about the Art of Charm boot camps, go to theartofcharm.com/bootcamp. And once you go through our boot camp, you'll be eligible to join us on our mastermind events. Our next one is in Iceland, which is going to be epic. And if you're an AOC boot camp alum, we'd love for you to join us July 4th in Iceland. Thanks again for listening. A big thank you to our sponsors. Our team, David for researching, Sean for helping to get the show on air and get all this great video, as well as John, our producer. Have a great week, everyone.